If you would uh, open your Bibles or your electronic device to Proverbs chapter 1, we'll read together in uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You may be seated. Children pre-K through second grade are released for Grace Kids, and parents, if you would please escort them, we'd be grateful. Morning, Orlando Grace. My name is Erickson Jobert. I'm one of the pastoral residents here. It's my joy to bring the word to you this morning. I'm joined by my lovely wife, Rachel, her two girls, Ellie and Eden, our youngest, Josiah, who will be due in October of this year, so you can pray for us for a variety of reasons. <laughs> um, my in-laws, Roberta and Matthew, are here as well, so thankful for our friendship and our, our love together. Today, we kick off our series called The Way the World Works, as we do a deep dive, Book of Proverbs, as we focus on what wisdom truly is and why it's important for us this morning. The sermon title here is Fundamental Principles. You can imagine a banquet and a meal. Um, there are ingredients to make those meals. The sermon will act as that. These are the ingredients needed to feast on the word of God this morning. We live in a world where we pursue and crave knowledge. Do we not? Uh, there are over 5.4 billion Google searches for just about anything. There's YouTube bloggers who blog about video games, sports teams, and all kinds of stuff, news, things. Maybe you crave knowing knowledge. Maybe you have uh, all these news apps on your phone to let you know things like the gas prices are rising and you uh, fill your trash bags with gasoline. <sighs> Actually happened. <laughs> Facebook is your source, right? Uh, I like collecting books, even though I may not read all the books. I like collecting books. Uh, we all crave knowledge on some level. But therein lies some issues with that. That people imagining coming into these spaces asking all kinds of questions. But what if those questions are more philosophical? Or they involve social ethics and sexual ethics? What do I do here? Is this right or wrong? Should I hook up with this person or that? Can I trust spaces like Google and Instagram to tell me what I need to know about my life? Does Elon Musk or LeBron James know the best news for me this morning? Well, I can tell you that the Bible has far greater news to tell you about God and the way that we can relate together as his people. Proverbs has an incredible insight and richness and meaning as we seek to listen to God's word this morning. We see that there are wise choices to be made as we read Proverbs. There are principles in every page, the sources of wisdom. 
in Proverbs this morning is rooted not in the world, but rooted in the fear of the Lord. And this word fear may come across as harsh, may come across as scary. There's a lot of things to fear. Maybe it's poisonous snakes or spiders. Maybe it's regimes. We fear things. We fear people. We fear abusive situations. But the word fear does not have to mean a negative sense here in Proverbs. I was talking with my friend the other day about the reality of him taking his little girl home for the first time after delivery and the fear of squeezing the life out of this little girl. Maybe it's the fear of feeding your dog chocolate or onions that are really bad for a dog. By the way, if you have a dog, don't do that, right? Uh, There's a fear that is rooted not in hate here, but a fear rooted in love. The love of a father who truly loves his people. And this is a fundamental principle of wisdom this morning, rooting ourselves in the fear of the Lord, which means cherishing what God cherishes, valuing what God values. We see God as a treasure, and that is the fear of the Lord. Before we dive into reading Proverbs, I'm going to pray one more time. Thank you for Chuck for praying. I'm going to ask the Lord to guide us this time. Father, we come before you. Some of us tired, anxious, maybe happy, but the summer. We thank you, Father, that you are a God who truly delights in us. And we pray that your word can be a safe place. Your spirit be our teacher. We pray all this in your son's precious name. Amen. So some background information to Proverbs. Proverbs, uh, book of Proverbs is written as wisdom literature in the Bible, encompassing other wisdom books like Job or Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. We know King David and Solomon were the primary authors of these books, Solomon himself being the primary author of Proverbs. We see that there are other authors added into Proverbs. There's King Hezekiah. In Proverbs 25, King Agur in chapter 30, and King Lemuel in 31. And these guys, including Solomon, were known as the wise sages. They were uh, essentially so wise and so great that kings and queens in the ancient world traveled to visit Solomon and these guys for wisdom and advice. Even though the authorship is somewhat debated between scholars as to, to who and when and what, We know that God is the ultimate author of Proverbs. So these aren't just collections. This is God's word for you this morning. So we see that there is an authorship here. We also see that there's an audience here. And this audience of Proverbs, as Bruce Watke, a commentator, would add, are people who are most likely maturing in the temple courts who are are learning the ways of Israelite tradition, future rulers perhaps, future kings and queens, perhaps. It was written broadly for Israel. And we see there are repetitions in Proverbs, like my son, listen to my instruction. That's that's mentioned throughout Proverbs. But we also see this is not just for men as well. In verse 8 of chapter 1, we see that a son is not to forsake his mother's teaching. And Waukee adds that if, if there is any teaching going on, it's the teaching of God's word. So women were expected to memorize the scriptures as well. So this is for men and for women, 
for, for girls or for boys as well in Proverbs. So we've established that biblical wisdom is fearing God, cherishing his words, his promises. How do we do that? How do we cherish God? How do we value him? There are three ways that we're going to find this out this morning. The first being is that we see our need for wisdom. We see our need for wisdom. Verse 2 begins by saying that the purpose of wisdom is to know knowledge, to know wisdom, her instruction, her insight. This is the purpose, showing God's heart to mature us. And this word know in verse 2 takes on a deeper meaning. It means really to gain knowledge. So it's not just having no knowledge and then having no knowledge of wisdom. It's having an ongoing growth in wisdom. You know, it's like a teenager learning how to drive a car for the first time. There's a lot of confidence at first. They've seen enough videos of how to drive. Uh, they, they know not to hit people or to run away from the cops, right? Uh, I-4 is no problem to you. Parallel parking is easy. What's so hard about driving, right? There may be a basic understanding about how to drive a car. But it doesn't mean that you know actually how to do it unless you've experienced driving the car. In so doing, this is the, the, the experiential wisdom that we see in Proverbs. This is what it means in verse 3, to listen to instruction, to grow, to apply wisdom into our areas of life, whether it's uh, doing sports drills, musical, musical repetitions for mastering a song, maybe it's studying for a test. We see that we, we need instruction. We need guidance. We need to train in order to know what God's word truly says and to know his heart for us. We read on the verse four to see that we need prudence or skillful knowledge, skillful wisdom to live wise lives as well. And in this discernment, right, verse four, giving prudence to the simple. The simple here means that someone is open to influence, someone who is gullible, who's, who believes all of the, the things that they hear. Most of you know the story of the Little Red Riding Hood. There's this you know, cute little girl who's giving uh, food to her grandmother in the woods. And there's a big bad wolf who approaches this girl and, and asks her where she's going. And she unwisely tells this wolf, hey, I'm going to my grandmother's house. First mistake. So this wolf goes to the grandmother's house, eats the grandmother, and then hops into the grandmother's bed to impersonate the grandmother. And little, little Red Riding Hood opens the door and begins to ask this wolf all these questions. Oh my, what deep voice you have? What big eyes you have? What big hands you have? Who are you? And I'm thinking, girl, this is a wolf. This is not your grandmother. She does not have fangs, no fur. I'm frustrated, <laughs> even though it's a story. <laughs> Little Red Riding Hood serves as a casualty of a simple person's life, believing everything that they hear, listening to every voice that they listen to. And the way of wisdom tells us to be discerning. It's not just seeing a post on Facebook and believing it. It's not just listening to uh, someone talk about the Bible or talk about uh, gender and ethics and believing it. It's discerning truly is this true or not true? This can help us avoid all kinds of drama and pain. 
Imagine what it looks like to root our lives in God's word this morning. Maybe in this rooting, you choose through wisdom, through prayer to the Lord, who you want to date or marry, who you want to uh, have uh, with you in your work situations, whether or not this job makes sense or this job does not make sense. Choosing a family worship is important or not. Valuing God above your own best thinking is what Proverbs is trying to tell us this morning. Just as Solomon prayed in 1 Kings chapter 3 for wisdom, do you pray for wisdom? Do you pray consistently or do you act on your own power? Proverbs calls us to act out of our need for wisdom by going to the Father in love because he first loved us. So we see that cherishing God is seeing our need for wisdom. Second way we can pursue God by fear, fearing him, is by seeing the source of wisdom. We see the source of wisdom in Proverbs. Verse 5 opens up the conversation, let the wise hear and increase in learning. It opens up the conversation not just to immature young people, but to old people, wise people who need to continue to keep growing in wisdom. Even the best and wisest of us have weak spots. In 2006, ABC News posted an article about the Titanic that sank over 100 years ago. The ship in 1912 was arguably the most impressive ship in the world. It was the biggest, it was the fastest. It was so great that over 2,200 people decided to take a voyage leaving Southampton, England on April 10th of 1912. Four days later, the Titanic hits an iceberg, flooding so quickly that the passengers, all of them, were scrambling for their lives, not able to get to safety. Over 1,500 people lost their lives that day to this iceberg. Now, lots of money and time had been spent to figuring out exactly what happened with the Titanic, um, where, what were, were scientists able to discover through research and time was that the Titanic had been essentially held together by these things called rivets, so they're steel rods. So they, they held the ship together, all three million pieces of these rivets. They were all steel, all except the front of the Titanic. These were actually iron rivets that formed the, the foundation of this Titanic. And how it was so impactful was that when the iceberg hit, or the, when the Titanic hit the iceberg, almost like a zipper, the ship became open to the water and the flooding, and it flooded so quickly. It was a design flaw that cost hundreds of lives to be lost that day. The story serves as a sobering reminder that impressive things or impressive people ultimately are flawed in some, in some way, shape, or form. And sometimes they can be catastrophic. Solomon's call to, to the wise in verse 5 points to the same fact that we cannot rest on our own achievements, on our own accomplishments or our age or our SAT scores, or whatever. 
We must trust in the God who calls us to continually grow in wisdom. Solomon himself ultimately became the victim of his own undoing. Even though he was the wisest man who'd ever lived, he also walked away from the Lord, not completely, but he turned his back on the Lord, marrying 700 wives and 300 concubines. Yes, those are actual numbers of wives and concubines. He offered sacrifices up to these foreign gods. He defied God by trusting in his own wisdom and ultimately was punished for it with the split of the kingdom of Israel later on in 1 Kings. So if Solomon couldn't hold it together as the wisest man who'd ever lived, what hope do we have this morning? The hope here is that God did not abandon Solomon. But for the sake of the covenant or the pact that God made with his father, David, and Israel, God would keep his promise to redeem Solomon and redeem Israel by sending forth his precious son through the line of Solomon to be the perfect embodiment of wisdom to a broken world that desperately needs it. You and I need Jesus Christ this morning. Who is the source of your wisdom this morning? Where does your attention go? Is it a person? Is it a pastor? Is it a celebrity or a news station? Is it a Twitter account? Let the source of your wisdom not be on people or places or things, but on God and God alone. This is what it means to see God as a source of wisdom and not ourselves. So we grow in wisdom by cherishing what God cherishes, seeing our need for wisdom, seeing the source of wisdom, and lastly, seeing the call of wisdom. Verse 7 acts as a guiding principle for understanding the rest of Proverbs. You can imagine a McDonald's Big Mac. There's three buns that sort of form the sandwich. Okay, Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord, sandwiches the wisdom of Proverbs together. You cannot be wise unless you fear the Lord and you listen to the call of wisdom. And this call is repeated in chapter 9 and also chapter 31. If you can flip over to chapter 9, verse 10, it reads this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Also, Proverbs 31, verse 30. Shall I read here? Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but the, but the woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So this woman here in Proverbs is personified wisdom. In chapter 8, Lady Wisdom. And in chapters 1 through 9, it acts as a general call to listen to wisdom in Proverbs. We see wisdom embodied as a desirable woman to listen to, to follow her instructions. And chapter 8 here is where wisdom culminates. Listen to Proverbs 8, chapter 1, or Proverbs chapter 8, verse 1. Do not, does not wisdom call does not understanding raise her voice. And also going down to verse 12 and 13 of chapter 8. I, wisdom, 
dwell, what prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. She promises riches and honor to all who follow her. And as we see later on in chapter 8, we see that she was, was with God in the creation of the world. That all that we see, wisdom was there. Scholars debate exactly who this wisdom is because she is personified so vividly, so clearly. But we find at least some clue as to what the answer could be. In verse 34 of chapter 8, it reads this, Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. Scholar G. Von Rad states this, only Yahweh can say that, can speak those words. We see a similar call in John chapter 1, verse 4. It reads, in him was life, and the life was a light of men. We have confidence to say that Proverbs is ultimately pointing to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As mentioned earlier, he, he is a true embodiment of wisdom far greater than Solomon ever was. He is the Holy One mentioned in chapter 9, verse 10. And before the cross, before Jesus came on the scene, you were, and before even then and even now, the Israelites believed God by faith and were saved. You know, we see this in Genesis chapter 15, that Abraham was not saved by his works but saved by faith in Christ, that one day God would truly redeem Israel. So Solomon himself was saved, not because of his works, because of the faith that God would accomplish what Solomon would not do and could not do, obey God perfectly and fear God perfectly. We cannot obey God perfectly this morning but we trust in Christ who did obey and who did go to the cross, fearing God, laying down his life so you and I can live this morning, fearing no condemnation, fearing no death, fearing no separation, waiting for the coming of Christ. This is wisdom, resting our hope in Christ. To read Proverbs demands a response. We will either accept the invitation of Lady Wisdom and cherish her word or embrace Lady Folly and live a fool's life. As we enter into a time of reflection after this sermon, are you following Lady Wisdom or Lady Folly? Do you fear God or not? Jesus invites us in John chapter 10 that he who is the door tells us that if anyone enters through him, they will find good pasture. They will find rest for their weary souls. Put your trust in wisdom this morning and see your need for wisdom, the source of wisdom and the call of wisdom this morning. In closing, 
I love the Chronicles of Narnia. It's a fictional book series. There are four children in England who are, magi- who are essentially magically transformed and uh, transported, rather, to their kingdom in Narnia, where animals talked. And adventure was around every corner. And there was Aslan, this god character of the story. And these children are trying to sort of understand who Aslan is, and they meet these characters called Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. The youngest of them, Lucy, begins a conversation with Mr. and Mrs. Beaver asking this question, is Aslan safe? Lucy asked, I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, said Mrs. Beaver, but make no mistake. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Then he isn't safe, Lucy said. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Of course he's not safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Brothers and sisters, we have a king who delights in us more than we can imagine. And in his delight, God calls us to be whole and complete, living wisely by cherishing his word. This is what it means to fulfill the greatest commandment of scripture, to love God and your neighbor as yourself. May you trust in God's word as we press on through the series this morning. May your hope be not in princes or in kings or in popularities or in words or social trends. May it be in God and God alone. Let's pray. Father, we come before you wanting to hear your word, longing to be in your presence. We thank you for your word that guides our paths even in our darkest days. Teach us how to be wise as we devote our personal time to you. We ask all of this in your son's precious name by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.